Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's version of Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I am Stacy, and as usual, joined by Samantha. Good morning, girl. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. What a wonderful Monday it is. Is it? <laughs> is it? I mean, we're, we're trying to find it to be, yes. Mine had, mine had a bit of a rough start, but it's getting better, and it's about to get way better. Uh, because today we are joined by Lisa Poncha of Stumble Creek Ranch. And Lisa uh, has made the very common um, career move from attorney to rancher. I know we all run into that all the time. <laughs> so um, settle back because she may have a slightly different take on what we see on our everydays. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> Hello, good morning, ladies. How are you? Fabulous. <laughs> I am, I am, first of all, I am a big fan of your company because I, uh, as I noted to you, I have purchased from um, your products at our local farmer's market. I always get very excited when they're there. Um, but I do want to dial it back to your attorney days. Your life as an attorney um, and how you made that shift from law to uh, cattle rancher. Um, again, super common, I know, but let's talk about it. Sure. I mean, it was very gradual and intentional. Um, I started my career as an attorney. I worked at a bigger firm. I eventually went out on my own and had a solo practice here in Marin County. Um, but all the while... Um, about 16 years ago, my husband, Lauren, and I started our business, Stemple Creek Ranch. He grew up in agriculture. He's fourth generation. So that part of it wasn't, you know, a huge shock or surprise, but my husband was working in corporate America. I was working in my legal career. We started our ranching business as a, on the side, you know, as a side business and, um, leased pasture from his parents, eventually bought our own ranch, created the name and the brand Stemple Creek Ranch. And each year grew the business, you know, just grew the business every year. And as the business got bigger and more diversified, um, at some point, my husband quit his corporate job. And I, um, really from the beginning was working in my legal practice part-time and running the ranch business part-time. And then, you know, having kids, raising kids, all of the other things that, that, um, go into life. And I really, for many years, I really loved it. It felt really energizing to me. They both felt like my babies and, um, you know, they were important. And I really felt like being a business owner and in, in the ranching business, helped me be a better lawyer and being a lawyer helped me be a better business owner. And I felt like even though they were two very different things, um, it worked. And then at some point, a couple of years ago, it just, it just felt too much. Um, the ranch business has grown and grown more and more employees, more enterprises. And I was just feeling it was too much. It was just feeling really overwhelming. And so I made the decision and I really, over a period of time, slowly scaled back my law practice, stopped taking new clients um, and 
I would say I officially closed it just as of um, last month, as of the end of 2021, but I really, I still have a few matters that I'm still finishing up. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm still just putting the final crossing T's and dotting I's on my law practice. And I have been able to focus more time on Stemple Creek Ranch and it's been great. And I, I practiced law for 20 years and, um, it just felt like a good time to make a transition. And it's I love, I love that, um, you say it was intentional because uh, my life has been nothing but randomness. Um, I feel like everything I do is random. So one day I want to be a grown up and do things intentionally. So I'm going to put that out there for 2022. Um, also, I just want to be clear, make sure you're clear that most people, like when they say, when they think about a side hustle, they're like Uber Eats or Dash or something. I don't really, ranching as a side hustle, I like, I don't, um, I mean, cool, but not on the top of a lot of people's list. And I think too, like what, what, when you decided to open a ranch, were you always cattle or was that always something you were going to focus on or how did it become what it is today? Well, my husband's family for many years, again, he's fourth generation. They were in the dairy industry as were, you know, there was little dairies that dotted all West Marin and Sonoma counties. And um, in the 1980s, the dairy business was not in, in, in the whole country was not doing very well. And the federal government was actually paying dairy, dairy folks to get out of the business. And so Lauren's parents and um, grandparents did that. They got out of the dairy business and that's when they got into cat, um, beef and sheep, into cattle. And they did that. And Lauren grew up on the ranch, on his parents' ranch in Tamales, and he always was really passionate about it and loved it. And he and I both went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. That's where we met, go Mustangs. (laughs) And he always wanted to go back and work on the ranch. And it wasn't until he was, I think, a junior in college, as the story goes, that he realized that there wasn't a financial opportunity there for them. It just, there just wasn't anything really for, you know, for him to do and to actually make a living, which is why he went and worked in corporate America and sales and the the pharmaceutical industry and everything like that. And so for the years that we, before we went back and started our business, he had the pull, you know, he had the passion for agriculture and, um, and it was, it was um, after we'd been married for several years in 2005, when he just said, I really want to try and make a business. Like, I don't know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work, but I would love to try. And so we asked his parents, you know, will you agree? Can we rent your pasture from you? And we want to start our own business. We don't want to be partners with you, but you know, you can retire and we'll pay you rent. And the very thankfully his parents said, yes, And we knew at that moment that what we were going to do was going to be very different from what his parents were doing, because we knew if we were going to really make a living and make a difference, it was going to have to be very different, but we didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. And, you know, we, we, um, we slowly chipped away and refined the vision over a several year period. And, um, it was about three or four years later after we really got started 
when we came up with our brand name and we really started marketing directly to consumers and, um, you know, we had already evolved to being grass fed, grass finished and getting organic certified and all of those sort of foundational things. Which I think is interesting because when we buy meat in the grocery store, like you truck on down to Safeway, you're not, I mean, only, I would say in the last few years, have we really started to pay attention to like what it is we're buying? What do we not know now that you know? What does the normal consumer not know about the meats that we are eating? Um, it's interesting because we live here in the San Francisco Bay Area where consumers are incredibly in tune and knowledgeable. And um, they, many, many folks here really know what they want. And um, I think it's spreading and it's only going to continue to spread across the country. I mean, we have people from all over the country that come to our website and place an order. So like those mm -hmm. folks, it's not an accident. They know exactly what they want and they go to Google and they search for it and they find us. But I think, I mean, I don't know. It's everyone has their own values of what's important to them, you know, and for some people, they're perfectly happy not knowing where their food comes from and buying whether it's fruits or vegetables or meat or dairy, you know, from like a factory farm situation where there's hormones and pesticides and all of that. And, you know, the world needs to be fed and there's a lot of food that's needed to feed the world. And I have no problem with that, but we just knew that that is not, that's not what we wanted to be a part of. I mean, you make it sound so appealing. <laughs> and the hormones and I mean but they all have their place yeah I mean it's we are in a balance of you know billions of people that need food and um and you know I would like to think that as we evolve as a society that we can continue to be to make our food system better and healthier and not have you know, hormones and pesticides and, you know, feeding grain to animals that aren't supposed to eat grain. Like I would like to think that we can evolve and not have that anymore at all. Um, but you know, everything have you is seen the news lately? I'm not sure we're evolving <laughs> as a human race in the right direction, but yeah. that's for another talk. That's for another talk. I think How did you come up with the name? The branding is cool, but Thank like, you. I always am fascinated with this. How do you? Yes. So a lot of people think our last name is Stemple, which it is not. Um, but there is a, a creek called Stemple Creek that goes through our main home ranch. And our main home ranch is actually so Lauren's great grandfather um, bought a ranch in Tamales about 120 years ago. First, he came, he immigrated from Italy. He worked for another family that owned the ranch, the Fallon family. He eventually bought the ranch from the Fallon family in the late 1800s. He then bought another ranch next door for his son. And, um, um, and then Lauren and I ended up buying a ranch next door to both of those ranches. It's like a triangle. They all touch each other. That's really cool. And it's pretty amazing. We bought it from, you know, the quote unquote next door neighbor whose family it had been in for about 150 years. So tons of history. Um, but Stemple Creek goes through all of those properties. And Lauren's dad really, and his sisters, when they were much younger, really started 
doing amazing restoration work around the creek in the riparian areas and um, creating habitat and fencing off all the all the the creek and everything and planting thousands of trees and um so it's stemple creek we felt was the heart and soul of the property and that is why we came up with that name which is amazing that you talk about how you're preserving the land and you know really giving it its due if you will and naming your company after it i want to talk about the work that you do with the marin carbon fund if, if that's correct i'm sure. pronouncing it right um because that I think is so important because you're not only a business that's trying to make money and do good, you know, for the consumer, but also making this world a better place. So let's talk about that. Sure. It's actually called the Marin Carbon Project. That's, I knew I was wrong. I, I was thinking fun, but I'm thinking project. But thank yeah. you for correcting me. So the Marin Carbon Project is an amazing thing. It's a 10 year scientific study. And uh, I want to say it started in 2000 wait, I'm, you know what, I'm getting it wrong. So I'm not going to say what year we're, it, we're a good seven or eight years into it. I'm so bad at remembering numbers, but the Marin carbon project is a joint effort scientific study that is, that is proving through scientific data that by utilizing certain practices and how farmers and ranchers manage their pastures, that we can sequester more carbon in the soil and sequestering more carbon in the soil helps um, helps reverse the effects of global warming. And the study is very successful. Um, when they first started the study, they accepted applications and there was three original demonstration farms. One, they were looking for one cattle ranch, one dairy and one like vegetable farm. And we amazingly were chosen as one of the first three demonstration farms and or demonstration sites. And we had already been dabbling in that. We, Lauren, my husband is like the science guy of us and the rancher. I'm like, you know, kind of the business side of things and operations, but he had already been doing a lot of research and work and learning about this. And so we were already utilizing some of the practices that, Marin, that the Marine Carbon Project was gonna be studying. And they chose us. And what that gave us was access to scientists really from all over the world and from all these agencies that came together to design the study and then to monitor. And so there's like test, original test plots that are part of the Marine Carbon Project on our home ranch. But then we also have very greatly expanded that work. So we're using those practices and other practices on um, all of our pastures. And when I say home ranch, I'm making that distinction because in addition to the ranch that we own in Tamales, California, we also lease pastures for our animals throughout all of Northern California. And so we, you know, we try and carry these practices everywhere to land, not only that we own, but that we also lease. And you know, the practices, it costs money. You know, these are things we're making compost at a very large scale on our property. And then we make like different compost teas and we spread the compost on our pastures and we do rotational grazing and we seed very specific types of grasses and forbs in our 
pastures and all of these things that we could geek out on, um, you know, for a whole topic for another day. But what all of those things are doing is they're creating more carbon in the soil. And what that does is it makes the car- the soil a sponge to absorb more water, which means we can grow more grass, which is, as we all know, you know, it's just, it's better for the environment. So if more farmers and ranchers were to adopt these practices, how much of an impact would it have on global warming on a global scale? If everybody just did a little bit. From everything I've read, it absolutely can move the needle in terms of, in terms of the overall global warming, which is why there's such a huge movement to get other farmers and ranchers to do this. And they are, I mean, a lot are like, it's definitely happening and that's exciting. You know, it's very exciting to be part of this movement. Is it, uh, what, what, what keeps them from participating? Is it an expense that has to be borne? You know, it is an expense. It's also just like one more thing, you know, yeah. to do. And we all know anyone who has a job or a business knows, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, oh, one more thing. And um, I think a lot of people are resistant to change and a lot of people don't necessarily find it important, but every day more people <laughs> are finding it important and learning about it and and maybe letting go of their resistance to change. And you mean, you mean they're following the science? They're, believe it or not, I mean, more they're, more they're accepting yeah. the science. Yep. They're following the science. And thankfully there's amazing programs, both public and private that are helping landowners and farmers and ranchers pay for this work. Like, you know, there's, you know, we apply for all different grants and all different programs. And it's very helpful because, you know, it's, um, it's one thing to know it's the right thing to do, but it's another thing to fit it into your budget. And, and especially when you're not guaranteed like X, Y, Z result. It's like, you know, you put in all the inputs and yeah, it's, it should help not only the environment and the earth, but it should help your bottom line, which it does for us, but it is, it's a humongous investment. Yeah. I imagine it's a big undertaking, but so very over, cool. Over the last, you know, I would say 36 months, you've heard a lot more about obviously the cost of food is rising, the cost of meats and cheese and eggs and milk and all those things that we get from farmers and ranchers. Then you've also heard a lot about how a lot of these, you know, 100 year farms are going out of business because they can't sustain anything that's going on. What are your thoughts on that? And why do you think the industry is where it is, um, you know, from your perspective as someone who's involved Um, in it? I think it's because most farmers and ranchers are, you know, they're producers and there's a bazillion middlemen between them and a person eating food on their table. And um, the farmers and ranchers are not, they're not making the income needed to sustain their business. And that is why we knew that we were going to have to do something very different with our business than what the previous generations of Lauren's family had done. And that's why we were like, you know what, we need a niche product. We need our own brand. We need to be able to sell directly to consumers and set our own price. Like we don't want to just go to an auction one day and cross our fingers that we get enough money, (laughs) you know, like we need to set our own price. 
and we did it. But a lot of producers have zero desire to do that, you know? And um, so the smaller family farms and ranches, they need to be creative to bring their business into the, into the century. And also with, you know, you've got the drought and then you've got yes. fire, you know, you've got yeah. so many different, you know, challenges, if you will. It's, it's like, can, can you get a break out there? It's insane. I mean, definitely trying, you know, this line of business is incredibly challenging for a bazillion reasons. And, um, but yeah, honestly, it's like, we've, it, it just makes us that much more motivated to continue to succeed because yes, there's a lot of roadblocks, but guess what? We're doing great so far. And we're gonna, we're gonna keep trucking along. And, you know, we take phone calls all the time and emails from people all across the country that are like, oh, I am a rancher here. I'm a rancher there, or I'm a farmer. And I want to, I want to do, I want to do regenerative agriculture. I want to sell directly to consumers. I want to do this. You know, I want to, you know, all the other things that we've done to make it work. And we answer those calls, you know, we, we try and, and, um, share what we've learned as much as we can. And, um, I do think that we will continue to see a lot more of that in the future. You're like your own little salt of the work, salt of the earth mastermind group. <laughs> I love it. It's like, right? Ranch in a box. I love it. Ranch in a box. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I mean, as, and I felt the same way about my law practice, there was plenty of folks that helped me and helped us at the beginning. And we just, we want to turn around and do the same. What do you think? There's something romantic and amazing about a ranch, a farm, the, just the dirt, the smell, the, the fresh food, all that stuff. So um, you guys it, on your land also have an event space, correct? You, yes. Which, uh, I, the pictures are amazing. Um, tell me a little bit about the event space. Just sure. Feedback you get on that because I think it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So that is on our event space is on the ranch that we bought um, from the neighbor. And when we bought the ranch, it was um, in a extreme disrepair. It was like um, really, really, really a, a classic fixer upper, like in every way, shape or form all the way down to the water and the electrical, like things that are not very exciting. And we just had a vision that we wanted a place that we could bring people to educate them about what we were doing. We like very firmly wanted to be able to look customers and just general consumers in the eye and meet them and shake their hands and physically show them what we were doing on our ranch for transparency so that we could be like, look, like not everybody says what they say they do, but we do. And you can actually come see that and you can meet us and you could eat on our table. And we felt like that would create the most loyal customers for our brand. And so we very slowly started fixing up the property, one little tiny barn and outbuilding at a time. And um, the first little cabin that we fixed up, you know, we, we kept like all the original Redwood building itself, but we had to put in new electrical and new plumbing and this. And we made a little cabin for us to stay in because we live about um, we live about 30 miles from the ranch and 
we wanted just like a tiny little place for me and my husband and kids to stay at. And so we did that. We fixed up this little cabin. It cost way too much money for (laughs) rehabbing is always more expensive than tearing it down and starting over. Right. Well, we were rehabbing. So it costs way too much money. I was furious. And so my husband, this is how it goes. When you work with a spouse, this is classic Lauren and Lisa. Lauren was like, huh, maybe we should like put it on Airbnb and like rent it out to try and like make some income off of it. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And like 48 hours later, it was done. It was posted. It was photographed. It was on Airbnb. And we immediately had our first booking. And Lauren was like, oh, I didn't know we were actually going to do it. I was just like (laughs) thinking about it. And I was was like, thinking out loud. Yeah. Like classic idea execution of how it works in our household. And so we started, it was really popular and we had all these people that wanted to come stay from all over the world and staycationers from San Francisco. And that's basically a huge way of how it helped us to bankroll all of the improvements that we made. You know, we, every, you know, we kept cash coming in and we immediately reinvested it in the property. We fixed up this, you know, 150 year old hay barn to make this like beautiful event space where we could do educational tours and farm to table dinners and charity events. And we, you know, once it was nice enough, then we started renting it out for weddings and corporate events. And guess what? Everyone that comes for a wedding or a corporate event goes to our website and is like, Oh, what's Temple Creek ranch. And, you know, if I only had a dollar for every time someone said, Oh, I had no idea that this existed so close to San Francisco, you know, it's like, Oh, guess what? Now, you know, now, you know, a little bit more about our food system and where food comes from and, and buy uh, some meat while you're at it and buy some meat while you're at it. And (laughs) I'm going to grow out my, uh, my cooler. Hold on. And so the event business and the vacation rentals are an absolute, it's their own enterprise. They stand on their own. Um, It has helped diversify our financial picture because as we know with agriculture and mother nature and the drought and the fires and all of this, it's like, there's just so many ups and downs. Um, But the two businesses really feed each other. Like the event business absolutely is a marketing tool for our meat business and vice versa. Multiple streams of income are the name of the game. So here's a question for you. What do you feel was the hardest part about like deciding to get out of law and do this full time, what's been the most challenging thing or on a different side, maybe not a challenge, what was like the most like eye-opening, like, oh my God moment that you've had while making this transition? Um, so the hardest part was getting over the hurdle of like, oh my gosh, being a lawyer is so much of my identity. And I really loved my law practice. I loved it. I loved my clients. I loved the folks that I worked with, my paralegal, my office mates. Like it very much felt like my identity and I felt really good at it. And I got a lot of like, you know, feel good from it. And of course the whole thing of, oh my God, I spent all this time and money to become a lawyer and to learn my trade and all of these years getting good at it. And now I'm just going to stop that. Like, what does that mean? And as silly as it is, what got me over that hurdle was that I hit my 20 year mark of being a lawyer 
And it's so stupid because it's completely um, arbitrary, but something about hitting that 20 year mark made me be like, okay, I'm not quitting early. Like 20 years is a long time. It was very successful. I really loved it. And it's okay. Like I can, it, it, it doesn't change who I am as a person. And so once that little, you know, switch went off in my head, it actually was a very easy decision because in my heart, I already knew what I really wanted to do. And, um, well, it's not like it's a total, you know, like shut the door. It's like, it's almost like a second act that you've been building up your whole life to kind of turn into. Absolutely. I think it's super interesting though, because it's, you know, ranching and farming is not a highly female dominated world, uh, unless you're born into it, obviously. So for someone that wasn't necessarily born into it, that I think is really the coolest part because now you're really taking it on and you're like, Hey, I'm here. And you know, you're, you're making this work and it's yeah. very cool in the way that you're doing it. So kudos to you, girl. Thank you. We do. We do have one very important question though. Uh, yes. You do have two kids. Yes. And um, I imagine that there's some attachment that you get to certain cows, maybe your favorite cows. And when those, that cow number comes up, because it's not a dairy farm. Right. Uh, when that cow number comes up, how does that work? You know what? I have to be honest with you. Okay. And this is something that it's taken me a long time to understand because I didn't grow up in agriculture. I grew up in the suburbs in Southern California, like nothing to do with agriculture. Okay. So um, there's really not an emotional attachment to the individual animals. Like, it's not like we're going out in the field and like braiding a cow's hair or something like it just, it doesn't. And we're an animal family. We have dogs, we have pets, they sleep in our beds. Like we're, you know, but it's just, it's just a very different thing. And when you are a kid and you grow up knowing that like, that's why these animals are raised and this is what's happening. It really isn't weird to them. And it's not even on, it's not even an issue. And I think this is very much, it's just an example of like, you know what you know, like, you know what you were brought up to know. And my kids, like, they don't know anything else. They just, it's not an issue for them, zero at all. Okay, but no braiding allowed. No, no it's- No cow hair braiding No, it's, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's not, it's not an- it's well, I think, not a thing. I it's think not. your your storyline is so cool. And I can't really think of a cooler transition of A to B and you know, then B to C and then kind of tying it all back in together. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for sharing, you know, what you're doing and also the importance of food and how it's raised and you know, your commitment to the environment, I think is something that is very special and unique to you guys and your ranch. Um, I can't wait to get online. And the website is what again? Can you repeat it for us? Sure. It's stemplecreek.com. S-T-E-M-P-L-E creek, C-R-E-E-K.com. Beautiful. We'll put that in the show notes. And for everybody else out there, go out there, be inspired and do something good for yourself and others and this world.